We are, we are in um, a series of, of talks about gardens and orchards and vineyards and so forth. Um, so um, <clears throat> this is what we're doing for Lent. Um, it is, it is uh, the way we're, we're kind of making the journey from the Garden of Eden, where, where kind of all the trouble started, to, to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, which will end our Lenten uh, journey and prepare us for Easter. The whole idea of Lent is to, is to have this time of repentance and reflection as we prepare for Easter. The, the, the phrase I've used before is that, is that, um, the woe of Lent prepares us for the wow of Easter. The W-O-E prepares us for the W-O-W. So that's what we're doing. We're looking at, we're looking at the, the kind of downer parts of the Bible as we think about the, 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 uh, time leading up until Easter. So, so that's what we're doing today. And, uh, we're gonna look at another parable. Jesus has, has a habit of, of describing things in terms of parables. He says, you don't understand about God, so I'm going to tell you about God in terms of something you do understand, something like farming. So he uses these parables where he, he likens what God's up to, uh, to a farming situation. And, uh, that was easy for people to understand back in his day. It's not quite as easy for us because a lot of us don't farm or even garden, but we can get the idea a lot easier than we would just trying to figure out God on our own. So, so the parables work for us too. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of those parables we don't like. It's a parable of judgment. In fact, it's not just a parable of judgment. It's a, it's two different images of judgment. And nobody likes judgment, right? You don't like it when your spouse of 20 years tells you you look fat, right? Nobody likes to be judged. You certainly don't want strangers telling you you look fat. You don't want God telling you you're a bad person, right? We don't like, we don't like being judged. Nobody likes being judged. And so when Jesus starts talking about judgment, we start, you know, all right, I'm going to endure this. I'm going to get through this sermon. But, but I, I encourage you to, to kind of open up because there are two different images of judgment here. One of them is the one we don't like. It's the negative image of judgment. It's, it's a very negative image of judgment. And the other one is actually very positive. One of them is scary. One of them involves, uh, trees getting chopped down. And, um, if you, if you kind of, uh, journey around in the, in the, the Bible where we see trees getting chopped down, usually there's fire involved. And it's like, I don't think I like where this is headed. We don't like that image of judgment. So one of them is, is not only negative, it's also scary. The other one is positive. And this is the real problem. One of them is very common, and the other is rare. One of them is so common that everybody knows that that's what God judgment, God's judgment is like. Uh, uh, we, we all know, everybody knows, if I had done a poll of you before you came to church this morning, probably uh, most of you would have had the image of judgment that Jesus is talking about here, um, because it is so common. Uh, certainly it's common outside the church. The people you know who believe in God and aren't here today, I mean, aren't in any church, um, the people who believe in God but just, you know, I'm not going to go, I don't need to be beat up today, um, they know this image of judgment. And even people who don't believe in God have this image of judgment. And the reason is they don't believe in God, but they believe in church people because they know them. And they see church people who have this image of judgment. So it's very, very common. The only problem is Jesus says it's the wrong image. 
Jesus says there's a different image that we should have of judgment. And that's what he presents in this passage. So that's what I want to do is I want to look at this because the other one has, has, um, all kinds of, of difficulties associated with it. It's the image of a God who is looking to chop you down. Uh, uh last fall, you may remember there was a, there was a, uh, prominent, uh, minister in the, um, eastern part of the country and, uh, he said that the reason that Hurricane Sandy happened was because it was God's judgment on America because both of the major party candidates were um, in favor of gay rights. So he just said on his authority as a minister that God was judging all of America because of uh, the situation with homosexuals in our country. Uh, a couple of years ago, 2010, you may remember there was a, a very prominent uh, televangelist who said as Haiti was digging out from underneath the earthquake. You just heard about the earthquake from Sharon a few minutes ago. People still uh, are reeling from that earthquake three years later. In 2010, as the rubble was still being cleared away, a televangelist came on his program and said, the reason for this is it's God's judgment. You see, 200 years ago, those people's ancestors made a pact with Satan. And this was God's judgment against them for doing that. When I was a kid in, a uh, kid, when I was younger, um, in the 1980s, I was not a believer. And one of the reasons is because I heard a, a, a televangelist in the time who said that, that the AIDS epidemic wasn't just concentrated among homosexuals, it was God's judgment on them for their aberrant sexual practice. And I thought, well, if that's the way God works, I don't like your God. And so far, it was one of many reasons I found to stay away from the church. So there is this image of a God who's looking to chop people down. And you don't have to go to televangelists to get it. You know, here's here's a thought. Contract lung cancer and then start listening to what people tell you. What they'll well, the first question out of their out of their mouth will almost always be are you a smoker? Because you see it is in us we are looking for someone to blame and so we will say we will say the reason that you've got this is it's God's judgment on your behavior. Or if you have a heart attack, people will say, were you overweight? And, and any misfortune in your life, if your marriage ends, if, if your children rebel against you, anything that happens to you, people will judge you. It's been said of churches that we shoot our wounded. And too often it's true. And Jesus is saying, that's the wrong image to have of judgment. So he says, here's a different image. Let's go ahead and take a look at this passage from chapter 13 of Luke's gospel. He says, at that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That's a complicated sentence. Let me unpack it. He says, he says, there were some, some people present. Uh, Jesus is talking and some people were there and they said, Hey, Jesus, did you hear about? What did you hear about? Did you hear about those Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices? What that means is there were some people from Galilee, which is in the northern part of the country, and they'd come to the southern part of the country to go up to the temple and offer sacrifices. Uh, the way the Jewish religion works is you couldn't offer sacrifices at home. You had to go to the temple. They go to the temple, and when they get there, for some reason, the Roman governor, whose name is Pilate, 
decides to kill them. So they came there to make a sacrifice, and Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifice. So we don't know the circumstances of this. Um, there's actually, if you read commentaries, there's a, a number of historical things. People say maybe it was this, maybe it was that. What I got from it is Pilate was a bad person who killed a lot of people, and and uh, it could have been any one of those events or maybe something that's lost to history. Pilate was a bad person. And so they're saying, did you see the way that Pilate, God used this Roman governor, Pilate, to kill a bunch of people because they must have been bad sinners? And Jesus says, do you think that's why? Do you think it was because these Galileans, do you think that these uh, Galileans suffered in this way? They were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. I'll come back to repent in a moment. Because then Jesus uses a different example. He says, or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish as they did. So the Tower of Siloam is is a part of Jerusalem. Uh, Siloam is a region of Jerusalem. And Jesus is saying, uh, again, this is something we don't know what happened, but apparently a tower, a uh, part of a, you know some building, some large building in Siloam, the Siloam district of Jerusalem, fell on a bunch of people and it killed 18 of them. And beyond that, we don't know the details. Maybe it was an earthquake, maybe it was badly constructed. Uh, but Jesus says that wasn't God's judgment either. When bad things happen to people, it's not God's judgment. God is in charge. He's not disputing that. God knows why it happens, but only God knows why it's ha- why, it, why it happens. And we can sit there and speculate all day long, but to immediately assume it's it's judgment is wrong. Jesus says, "You don't know that." He says, "You need to change your mind about that. You need to repent. You need to have a different understanding of the way God's judgment works." And he's about to tell us that. But he says, he says, "This thing you're you're thinking here, is, is just the wrong way of looking at how judgment works. I think there's something else going on here, and I'll just throw this in just to, to, to share, because I can't not. Um, why Galileans and the Tower of Siloam? I think what's going on here, really, there's also, in addition to the what I'm going to talk about, I just want to throw this out. Galilee is where Jesus comes from. And I think a bunch of people were basically saying, you're just like all those Galileans. We know they're sinners, Right? We know they're sinners because because Pilate just killed a bunch of them. God already judged a bunch. You're just like them. And Jesus is saying, oh yeah, well by your own flawed logic, then there's sinners in Jerusalem too. So, you know, your logic doesn't hold up. Uh, there's sinners in Jerusalem. If, if towers falling on people mean that there's sinners here, that happens too. So Jesus would say, Jesus would say, you know, by your failed logic, um, uh, when there's a, when there's a, a earthquake here, or there's a crisis in your family, somebody dies, then then everybody sins. So he's saying, don't don't go start judging other people with that. But then he tells this parable. He says, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. So we've heard this before. We've the last couple of weeks we've heard these different parables about vineyards, and we see this is actually a very popular way of looking at looking at uh, the things of God. Jesus does it a lot. Some of the Old Testament prophets did it. So there's this this parable about a vineyard but this one has a twist he says he says a man had a, vi- a fig tree and he came looking for fruit on it and found none so he said to the gardener see here for 3 years i've come looking for fruit in this fig tree and still i find none 
cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He says that's the image most people have about God's judgment, that God is a landowner who looks at you, sees you're not bearing the kind of fruit he wants, and says, chop it down. So that's the one image. And he says, but there's another image. He, the gardener, replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, well, we'll deal with next year next year. You can cut it down next year if it hasn't borne fruit. But the difference is, the gardener says, this tree can be saved. And the owner says, this tree's no good. And so what I wonder, this is, this is free, right? This is Luke, this is not in the Bible. But I do wonder, there's two voices speaking here. One is a voice of accusation, and one is a voice of salvation. And when I think it, when I put it in those terms, I say one of them is accusing. This is a no good tree. This is the kind of tree you'll always be because you're just that kind of tree. You're lousy, you're no good. That is a voice of accusation. And the word in the Bible for accusation, the word Satan means the accuser. And so I wonder if Jesus is playing with this, this parable structure to say, instead of the landowner being God, the landowner is the one who accuses, the one who says you'll never be any good for anything. You're hopeless. You need to pack it in. And the gardener is the voice of salvation, the voice of Jesus, the one who says, no, this tree can be saved. This tree can still bear fruit. So Jesus gives this parable. He says, he says, there's two ways of looking at God's judgment. And the way most people look at God's judgment is cut it down. And he says, that's the wrong way to look at it. He says, the way to look at God's judgment is a gardener who will look at the tree, who will evaluate what it needs and say, this tree can be saved. I can save this tree. I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to fertilize it. It'll, bear fruit. Just you watch. You come back next year, this tree is going to bear fruit next year. That's the voice of salvation. That's what Jesus says God's judgment is really like. It looks at what's broken and says, watch me fix that. So, what's the application? Well, the first application is don't be one of those people. Okay? When your friend says, I got cancer, don't say, well, it's probably something you did and you deserve it. Right? Don't do that. Right? Jesus says that's the wrong way to look at it. Bad things happen and we don't know why. We don't know why there's a tsunami. We don't know why there's tragedy in people's lives. We don't know why people get cancer, why people die. We don't know. We don't have the privilege of saying it's God judging you. But beyond that, ask yourself, if I were a tree, Am I the kind of tree that God wants me to be? Because Jesus wants us to be the best we can possibly be. Jesus wants people who trust him to be awesome people. He wants us to be the best husbands and wives that we could possibly be. He wants us to be the best fathers and mothers, the best sons and daughters, the best friends and neighbors, students and workers. Jesus wants us to be awesome. In, in his other, in his other, uh, the other, uh, passage we looked at, 
he uses a similar sort of parable. He talks about being a vine. And he says, he says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. He says he wants us to be such good trees that people look at us and say, you have a great gardener. Who does your gardening? I want that same gardener in my life. Jesus says he wants us to be awesome. But more than that, he makes a promise. He says he will get involved. In this parable, he says, I'll dig around and I'll put some fertilizer in. In the other parable, he says, he says, I am the vine and you receive your life from me. You cannot bear fruit unless you're connected with me. Jesus makes a promise. This is not a try harder. This is not go be a better tree. Jesus is saying, I will make you a better tree. And he gives two ways of looking at it, either because you're connected to him and you draw life from him, or because he's doing the things. He's cutting back, he's pruning here, he's digging there, he's putting fertilizer in. He's doing the things he needs to make us better trees. Jesus wants us to be better trees, but he doesn't simply want us to do it. He says, trust me and I'll do it. So ask yourself, am I that kind of tree? Am I an awesome tree? Am I trusting Jesus to make me a great tree? Because his Father is glorified by that. He wants all of us. He wants us collectively, not to be known as the people who shoot our wounded, but as this glorious orchard that everybody else looks at and says, I wish I had their gardener. Are you bearing the fruit God wants you to bear? Because his Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. Thanks be to God. Amen.